Welcome to the Secret Nerd Podcast, where we think everyone should play tabletop RPGs and give you some reasons why. Today, I am super excited to talk to this guest. She is a game designer, a TTRPG performer, a podcaster, um, and I think uh, just beloved among the people in general. Number one, Lexi McQueen fan. Uh, yeah, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Hey, everybody. I'm Austin, otherwise known as Sailor Scott Austin over on Twitter. My pronouns are Hide She, and I am happy to be here. Yeah, happy to have you here. Um, we 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 both have secret nerd shows. Um, yours just we has do. more words than mine, but it's true. <laughs> yours is a lot more succinct. Uh, I was telling my um, lovely co-host that the other day when we were recording, I was like, "There's another nerd show," and they it's it's a much easier title. We always mess up our title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, what's the uh, uh, Mistorians though? Um, you know, how do you fit that in without having that title? so that's true it is i think it's a pretty good fan name <laughs> yeah i love it i love it but um yeah where i always like to start austin is just you know how did you get into nerd stuff in general you know it was it. i think it was a combination of things but a lot of things for me start with my mom's sega genesis mm. nice um yeah, my, before I was born, my mom was already like playing games as a lot of people in her age range were. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like Sega was really changing up the face of like what video games were going to be. They weren't for quote unquote nerds. They weren't for like kids. It was like you know, Sega was like cool. Yeah. Uh, so now more people are playing games. So she had the Genesis. She had a bunch to me as a kid a bunch of games i don't remember like how many she had. i can remember a few like she had um there's no sonic the hedgehog she had by the time i was playing i think she had sonic 2 she had the tasmanian devil game mm. um she had some old like shooter i don't remember what it was i don't remember if it was contra or if it was like something else it was some old like bullet hell game i yeah. remember like as a kid, it felt impossible to play. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. And she got a few other games. We got like the um, Aladdin game and like the Lion King game and like the Tart, like all those games as they came out in the Genesis and Genesis was still like around for yeah. those. Um, the Aladdin game was so good. I can like barely, I remember this, the Lion King game. I wasn't good at it. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, like you couldn't look stuff up on like, what am yeah. I doing wrong? <laughs> so yeah. you you just like kept doing this and you're like, this is clearly not right, but I don't know what else to do. Um, yeah. yeah I remember before I, there was wiki, you had to go buy a fucking manual on how to play a game. <laughs> or subscribe to Nintendo power or something. Yeah. Nintendo yeah. Game <laughs> yeah. And wait until they put it in Nintendo power. Yeah. Uh, or find somebody's brother's older cousin who totally <laughs> knows like the cheat code or whatever. Um, but yeah, so it was really that for me. It really goes back to my mom and the fact that she had a Sega because I don't know. If it wasn't for her, it wouldn't be until like 
the Pokemon phenomenon, probably. I feel like a lot of people, um, because I'm just 30 as of last, I turned 31 this year, so I feel like a lot of people in that range, it was like either Sega, um, or it was like when Pokemon blew up, and then they were playing Pokemon, and then they were like, you know, everyone was playing Pokemon. Yeah, Pokemon was pretty crazy. Like, I remember, because I'm uh, three years older than you, so Mm. for me, it was like, we had, you know, Nintendo, uh, mm-hmm. and then there was Sega, and then and then we got into, like, a bunch of weird crazes that they kept banning at school after a year. It was like, everybody's playing with Pogs, now you can't play with those anymore because there's too many <laughs> fights, you know? <laughs> then there's, like, yo-yos with gears in them that would, like, stay in, like, a clutch, uh, mm. and then they banned those after a year, and then Pokemon came out, and that was, like, you know, that started the whole, for me, it started the whole, like, trading card game. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, my, my school never banned Pokemon. Um, but they did ban Yu Gi Oh! Mm. But that- they never, Pokemon, they like, at least like, they never banned it. And to me, it's because, like, I don't know if it was that popular, but I think it was just like I was younger when the cards were like, yeah. So, like, you know, we I was like six or seven, and it's the Pokemon is not a very straightforward trading card game, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and so like as a kid, you just like these look cool, and they're like you have these energies, and like you know it's closer to like a Magic Gathering kind of mm-hmm. game where you need like a certain amount of stuff to do a thing. And as a kid, it's like, yeah, two steps is too many for a game. You need like Yu Gi Oh's like you put the card down, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, we we uh, I think we got like one deck of Pokemon cards. And then, like, McDonald's had this run. I was actually thinking about this today because my daughter had this golden uh, coin, like a gold-plated coin. Mm. Um, but, yeah, they came out with, like, McDonald's. You could get, like, a collector's coin where it was, like, a gold-plated oh, coin. Yeah. And, like, we had, like, a Jigglypuff or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah. And then it was, like, we never played with the cards again. Um, <laughs> and then it was all just, like, whoever had a Game Boy, that's, you know, sit around yeah. and watch your friend play the Game Boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my school caught on to... Because, you know, I wasn't before that wasn't like really like mobile devices to take into school. So like yeah. that was I feel like Game Boy was the first one that like my like school the Game Boy Color specifically. Um, and when Pokemon Yellow came out, like my school was like, whoa, wait, so you're playing a game on that? No, that's you can't <laughs> you can't bring those to school. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's not a calculator. No. We're yeah, not. like they like super. It was like it's such a weird thing. Right. You think about it like. That'd be like if those Google glasses they tried to bring up like yeah. took off. Yeah. And like educators having to catch on to like that kid that always wears glasses, you're like, wait, those have the internet? On? Okay, no, you can't bring those. You <laughs> yeah. have to bring your normal glasses. Yeah. God. Technology is just wild. Um, you know, to watch all of that change too and see oh, yeah. like the the progression of it. Which I think is like part of the reason uh why your show is so much fun to listen to one i i love the dynamic between you and brenda i think it's uh incredible i you know i talk about um blur to mouth a lot and Mm -hmm. um and i get that same sense of just like i love listening to you two hang out and just like (laughs) talk about the news and like rant about um shit that drives you crazy and uh yeah it's just it's so good Thank you. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. We came up with it, the idea uh, for Secret Histories and Nerd Mysteries. Um, gosh, it was 2000. 
19 because me and Brenda used to live in the same city mm. and their job was laying them off. Um, so she was about to move back home. Uh, and we're in the same state, but we're like an hour and a half apart now. Yeah. Uh, but I remember distinctly we were at um, a bar in town. It was supposed to, it was her like, uh, like, oh, like a hang, like last big hangout with like a group of people. Yeah. And I was playing the Teenage Mutant Turtles arcade cabinet, like the original like Teenage Mutant Turtles game. And I was out on the SNES and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, now just telling Brenda about all this, these like Ninja Turtle facts that are just like in my head. Um, I was like, this is the highest selling non Nintendo game on a, or non Nintendo, Nintendo franchise on a nintendo console of all time and like the you know the original sketch sold for this and like all this is like stuff i just know yeah um like what if this was a show because we both just know a lot of shit for no and don't use it like it's just like in our brain and we don't do anything with it Uh, yeah yeah just like i was like we would crush a trivia um (laughs) and yeah so we came with the idea like let's do it and then and Brenda had to move away, and then COVID happened. And like right before, it was right before COVID happened. Brenda came to visit and stayed here, stayed with me and my partner for four four days, I think. And in that four day time, we were like, you we like came up with the idea for the show, like let's do it, etc. You know, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And then when COVID started, we were like. Cause we've been dragging our feet and like getting the show together. Like well, we have so much time. Let's like, we let's just like start doing the show. It's something to do. Yeah. Um, in our first episode we did, it was only an hour. It was an hour and we did it like by the seat of our pants. Um, <laughs> we didn't have a full format yet. Uh, we ended up switching the topic last minute. Like Brenda had researched something. I to this day, I don't know what it was supposed to be. <laughs> and I was just, I did the, I was, I usually handle news and so i was going over like Chuck E. cheese had just had some uh bankruptcy court stuff go in their favor and i was like isn't that crazy and Brenda's like, let's do Chuck E. cheese <laughs> <laughs> you're like wait and so wait. that's that's just like how it happened because brenda just knows a lot of stuff about animatronics so it was kind of like history Chuck E. cheese through the lens of their animatronic so yeah we just that's that's like we just started doing it we did it every week for a year for our first for first like two years we did like every week ish um and recently switched every other week because we realized like that's kind of a lot (laughs) everyone was like (laughs) you put out every you you put on an episode a week for two years and like yeah and they're like that's like a lot of work we're like it sure is yeah (laughs) now that we have you hooked (laughs) yeah exactly yeah i think yeah i i do my show weekly and if i had if I had a co-host that I had to schedule with, or if I had to research anything at all, uh, mm-hmm. I, there's no way. Yeah, I would have a hard time <laughs> doing it too. Uh, thankfully, this show is all fly, fly by the seat of your pants. Um, so, you know, as long as I can get somebody on to talk to me, then I'm pretty much set. So, yeah, but yeah. I definitely, yeah. I mean, there's like pros and cons to both. I think I, yeah. I enjoy, it is fun to push myself to learn stuff because I... There's a few things I know a lot about we haven't covered yet that are kind of in my back pocket. I'm like, if I like hit a wall, um, so it's fun to look into like stuff that I'm like, I know this thing, but I don't like know about it. Yeah. 
yeah, for sure. How did it feel um, predicting the plot of Godzilla versus Kong? <laughs> it was, it's, it, okay. So there's like no other way the movie could have gone. Yeah. It, it didn't feel like when I watched it and after I said like what was going to happen, I'm like, well, there's no other way this could have played out. Like it, it just made. The mo- like when you're really tuned in, you know, like there's mm-hmm. o- there's only one thing that makes sense, and there's a few like Godzilla, any kind of like kaiju mech, big big fight stuff, yeah, uh, vampires, and most shonen tropes. Like I'm so I'm like there's only one thing that makes sense here. Like when I watched, um, I won't spoil it, but when I watched Mugen Train, mm-hmm. I was like. There's only one way for like after when I watched the movie, not the shortened, like not the elongated, like uh, anime version yeah. of the arc. Um, mm-hmm. When I was watching the movie, that was the first time I was like interacting with the with Mugen Train the arc because I, I when I watched the show, I was like, oh, I know what's going to happen now. But I'm sitting in my car, and you know, summer of 2020 or whatever, or 2021. I don't remember when it came out anymore. I think it was uh, last year. Yeah. Summer 2021, sitting in my car at the drive-in, watching this movie by myself. <laughs> uh, and when it gets to like the halfway point, I'm like, there's only one way for the rest of this movie to go. And then it went that way, and I was like, that's the only way it could go for any tension to exist in the rest of this anime. There's yeah. no other way for it to go. Yeah, I've, there's definitely like certain things that lean on specific tropes you know, or, mm-hmm. or in like Godzilla's instance, it's like, okay, well, you've already given us 40 monsters, right? I'm exaggerating, yeah. but like, there's clearly only one thing left to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. so we've met Godzilla. We've met all the, the last movie is about, there's all these other monsters. Mm-hmm. You've already established that Godzilla won. Yeah. And like, well, also King Kong, because I'm like, okay, there's no way this movie is like two and a half hours long or whatever. And just about Godzilla and King Kong fighting that yeah. is, that would be, that would be indulgent. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that is an hour tops, maybe an hour and a half. If you have a human subplot, right. Which I was thankful that movie doesn't really have much of it's, it's kind of weird. Cause I get the humans. They're like, the humans have to be there. Yeah. I suppose. I yeah. But, but do they, it's like do they but also like they're so not there that it feels like i'm not attached to like alexander skarsgård character getting blown out of the air i'm like i don't really care about i don't know who he is at all yeah yeah and all like the science the quote-unquote science in it is so just like wacky cartoon like (laughs) science and it's just like whatever just fuck it like i get like we need an audience fill-in um maybe but still like i honestly could just be like you, you're making a two-hour movie about literally Godzilla and King Kong fighting for two hours. Sure, yeah. I'll watch it. Like you could, you could <laughs> use different, uh, you could use different human actors for every single human scene, and I wouldn't care. Yeah, for sure. It could be like now it's this family in Oklahoma watching the news, reacting to it. Now I don't know that could be more interesting, honestly. Like, yeah. Instead of these people who are in it, it would be cool to see people who are like way outside of the radius of this like calamity just like damn what you you could like check twitter they're fucking <laughs> scrapping in tokyo <laughs> yeah 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 i'm such too like i'm i'm very much like i don't 
I'm not like a film critic by any means, and I'm very much mm-hmm. like entertained. I think it uh, has a large part to do with growing up watching kung fu movies as like mm-hmm. a staple of mine. Mm-hmm. And just like kung fu movies is like, we are going to give vague, semi-logical reasons as to why this character has to fight for an yeah. hour out of an hour and a half of time. And I'm perfectly yeah. fine with that. So it's like, you know, um, that's why I've never hated the original star or not not the original the prequel star wars trilogy because i'm Mm -hmm. like you gave me badass jedi fights and that's really all i'm here for like it's yeah yes the rest of the movie is kind of stupid but like (laughs) but did you watch revenge of the sith there's a literally 30 minute sequence of jedis just fighting each other yeah that's the best it's pretty rad and i think too often um movies are afraid to do i think that's what makes the newest mortal kombat movie so good Mm -hmm. Because it really gets that, like, what we would like to see are yeah. a bunch of cool Mortal Kombat fights. And that's yeah. really, and it's, you know, it's one half, like, if you're a fan of Mortal Kombat franchise, you, you know the whole rigmarole. You yeah. don't need the, and I think it's, like, people realizing, like, hey, if we're going to make a Mortal Kombat movie, you know who's probably the biggest fan base? People who are already Mortal Kombat fans. <laughs> yeah. We shouldn't waste time trying to get buy-in from someone who's, like, Mortal Kombat, isn't that that game that's like illegal or whatever, right? Like someone's yeah. like mom or grandmother is not going to think like, I want to watch Mortal Kombat. They're going to remember the like Senate trials literally over the game. Yeah. Why waste time getting buy-in from people who don't care about the franchise? If they watch it, you got, you got some free money you didn't expect. Yeah. Most likely they're not going to see it and you don't really need them to like. The whole the whole point of like because they made the Monster Hunter movie, right? Yeah. And it was a colossal flop because they for some reason didn't just vie for the attention from Monster Hunter fans. They're like, we got we do they did this whole like US military plot and this weird they did like a lot of weird insulting of like Chinese people, which is like yeah. the main they honestly made it for the Chinese market and I was like, what are you doing then? Yeah. Uh that's weird. That's super weird. Yeah, it's super weird. It's like Monster Hunter is a giant franchise. If you just made here's a Monster Hunter movie, the Monster Hunter games are nonsense. Like any yeah. fan is like they give an explanation. It's pretty terrible. <laughs> I'm mostly just here to like fight big monsters and harvest them. Yeah, yeah. If you made a movie that was just that, like here's some bad science that we have to put in. So there's like talking and now here's mostly an hour of a group of people hunting a giant monster that looks yeah. like a dragon. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and I love Tony Jaw, and I was like, that was a big selling point. And then I just saw the trailer, mm-hmm. and I was like, I don't like this. Doesn't I'm not even a huge Monster Hunter fan, but I've played yeah. a little bit of it, and I'm just like, this seems so different. Like, you're, right. yeah, yeah. It just it's yeah. Just, it's just not it. I mean, that's what makes the Sonic movie so good. Yeah, they're like this movie is for Sonic fans and specifically like, uh, I think keeping in that band of like family movies too, because that's not something we get. There aren't a lot of good family movies that are in that PG rating. Yeah. Um, that aren't like stuck inside of the ownership of Mickey mouse himself. Right. Like it's, <laughs> right, if it's yeah. not like Disney, you're lucky to find a PG movie that is like entertaining for you. And if you have kids. Mm-hmm. And so I think the fact that Sonic movies do that and they're like, this movie is mostly for Sonic fans, which is a wide breadth of people. That's like 
people yeah. our age to like five year olds. Like mm-hmm. everyone, like Sonic is just like so beloved, and it's like I don't know. It's not hard. It's not hard to make a video game movie. You just have to realize the people who want to see the people who play video games, and they still have money. They'll still see your movie. Yeah, yeah. Just don't alienate your already made fan base right that's it's already there you you make a street fighter movie i just i want to see ryu throw a hadouken i want to see chun Li do the kick thing that's it i'm happy yeah it's great awesome this is great a great movie yeah Yeah. if you've seen the original street fighter movie more than once like you're a fan you're a fan (laughs) of street fighter and that's that's you know you you probably didn't love it but you're like yeah it was it was nice to see um yeah for sure i think uh yeah to that end like i my favorite my all-time favorite kids movie is Over mm. the Moon, which is a Netflix movie. Have you ever seen Over the Moon? I'm not. It is incredible. It's got an incredible score. Um, I believe it has an all-Asian cast. Uh, it's a story about um, a little girl in China. Uh, okay. And she wants to meet the moon goddess. For oh, reasons. I remember hearing about this. Yeah, it's so good. Um, and and the it's a musical style of of mm-hmm. movie and all the songs are amazing uh it incredible performances i've seen it at least 30 times 29 of those times have been my suggestion and not my kids uh, so <laughs> it's really really good um and then another one is next gen which is also a netflix movie okay. um and that one's another good one too but yeah i like definitely it's very like we're talking about two movies right mm-hmm. out of the majority of them that are just like owned by disney um Mm -hmm. set up in a specific format like pixar has their format like we know how to make you cry we're going to do this every single time um (laughs) and and yeah it's it's interesting to see like how movies are starting to adapt and i really didn't think about that until listening Mm -hmm. to your show because i listened to the sonic one recently and the most recent episode i should say rather um Mm -hmm. and uh yeah it it really puts it into perspective of like okay yeah you can kind of see this shift now I mean, even the fucking Doctor Strange new Doctor Strange movie without giving spoilers was absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and unlike, in a lot of ways, unlike many other Marvel movies. Okay. Yeah. You haven't seen it yet? I have not. I am waiting for it to be, it goes up on Disney Plus June 22nd. Yeah. Um, yeah. I haven't done a lot of, the, I did a theater for Spider-Man, but mm-hmm. me and some friends literally rented a theater to watch Spider-Man. Yeah. And I went to a theater for everything, everywhere, all at once, because I was mm-hmm. told by multiple people that if I was going to risk being in a pub enclosed public space, that it was worth it. And they yeah. went wrong. And then I got, there was only like one other person, so. Yeah. Yeah, th- I went yesterday to watch Doctor Strange, and okay. uh, I was like, it was like an empty theater, basically. Yeah, that's what I'm told is if you wait like midday, a while. Yeah. Yeah, if you wait a while and can go midday. I work um, my day job a lot during the day, so during the day I'm usually busy. Yeah. Um, so I'm like treating the evening, but that's when like people who are still waiting still go. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah. But, and then, I mean, I was like, maybe I'll, I was like, you know, it's getting, it's been out a while. Maybe I see it soon. And then they announced, they announced yesterday they're going to put up on Disney Plus at the end of, in like two weeks. And I was like, oh, I, yeah. two weeks. It'll be two weeks before I blink. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, what is that? What is time? But yeah, I feel like, I don't know, movies. I've been taking bolder chances and like trying, like even though like a lot of stuff is 
Nick Sonic's an established IP. Doctor Strange is part of this whole Marvel thing. Mm-hmm. Um, everything everywhere all at once is a big standout, and I think is in some ways a hopefully like a future of storytelling and like, uh, but I feel like movies as a whole have been less afraid to take risks. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that is like a changing of guard. If like the old, like the older execs are like retiring and like the newer execs, albeit like newer, like you have to understand like these people are still probably in their fifties. Mm-hmm. Um, taking over if that's opening up ideas of like what people you can do at film or if it's just we've thrown so much to the wall let's see what else could stick you know oh (laughs) you know people do like the fact that sonic has video game noises what if we put in the video game noises oh people like that (laughs) uh i don't know it's just this idea of like both breaking formulas and using the same formula like sonic still follows a pretty standard action adventure formula right uh there's this there's the exciting start there's the fall um then there's a climax after the climax like everything works out Mm -hmm. uh and then you have like fallout that'll be the next movie um so i don't know but it's been like I feel like we're moving away from the superhero phenomena, which I'm grateful for. Yeah. Uh, I, I love Marvel. Uh, I like most of the stuff they put out, not all of it. Um, I love some of the stuff they put out, but when it happened, it was, it's been such a like clear nightmare of everyone trying to recreate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To the point where I I I don't think Marvel could do it again. I think if it like collapsed, I don't think they could rebuild it. Yeah, I think it would be pretty tough uh, because there's already so many fans saying like we want something different. Yeah, right? um, like I think because there's that, that you know the the formula of like you you always fight the thing that's like the same like you right, mm-hmm. um, which I think only really works if it's like like if you have the Hulk, I want the Hulk to be able to smash against something that can take hits right. Mm-hmm. Or like a Superman movie. I want Superman to fight somebody that's strong. Um, right. At least to show like it, the things that are possible. Um, mm-hmm. But if you're going to change that, right, don't make Batman versus Superman. Make, or, or don't let Zack <laughs> Snyder do it. Um, uh, <laughs> but, you know, like it's got to be something that creates like a, a good situation. Like Lex Luthor is such a good Superman villain because of his brain. And, mm-hmm. you know, like how do you make that work as a movie? Mm-hmm. Um and I think more of those superheroes have to do things like that. Like, like Spider-Man's great because there really is no like spider villain, right? Other than yeah. Venom, I guess. But, yeah. um, but really we haven't encountered that in these new, uh, films. Right. Mm-hmm. But then people were so upset because he got Iron Man and, uh, <laughs> you just can't make everybody happy. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing. It's so, so it's something I think about all the time when I'm like, when I'm working on stuff and I'm watching stuff when I'm talking about stuff is just like, it was E3. Oh, maybe 2005 or six. Mm-hmm. And we're watching G4 and um, they're interviewing uh, Richie Phil's back when he was still the, like the head of Nintendo American really for all intents and purposes, like the face of Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was being interviewed, and I think it was 
I forget what he's being interviewed about, but he said this thing that I always think about, which is like, we'll never be able to make everyone happy. So we do our best to make ourselves and our teams happy. Yeah. Uh, now, granted, I, I want to like put a footnote. I know Nintendo's had a lot of uh, controversy lately about how unhappy some people on their teams are and mistreatment they've gotten. Um, there's a big report on that over at IGN, I think it was. People can look that up. Um, mm. But I think as on a pure like that in a vacuum on its own statement, like it's something you think about a lot because it's very true. Yeah. Um, there's no way to make all your fan base happy. You So I think, and what I hope is that they're letting more of the people that land these jobs, uh, these writers and directors and producers, like try to make something they like. Yeah. Um, I think it's something that makes uh, Spider-Man No Way Home so good is like, it had this. It had the same feeling of like when you first when you watch the first Iron Man, mm-hmm. or when you watch um, In Game or Black Panther. Like some of those ones that like feel different. Yeah, where it's like this is something they had. A, they enjoyed making this. They wanted to make this. Yeah, there's like a lot of heart and soul to. When we watch Into the Spider Verse, like there's a lot of, like a lot of heart mm-hmm. yeah. and soul put into it. Of like everyone that was on set everyone behind the camera everyone who was helping out every all the editors like were like this is special mm-hmm. um and now i don't feel like that and I, it becomes so apparent when you get one like that because like i've just seen no way home the next one i watched was no i watched shang chi at home i haven't seen one since no way home because i'm waiting to watch dr strange so we'll see how dr strange feels yeah um I remember watch, after watching Black Panther, and then whatever I watched after that, I can't remember which movie came out after Black Panther. It was like, it, it, it like doesn't have that, you know. When you mm-hmm. after you watch a movie that has it, you can see all them. Like for a while, you're like, doesn't have it, doesn't yeah, have it, doesn't yeah. have it. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it really is. It uh, they kind of like it sets that new standard, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for sure because every time like a new marvel movie comes out my buddy's like well okay did this change your order and i'm like well first of all it's hard to like even have an order of a marvel movies like top five because it's just like there's so many different things how i'm feeling at the time mm-hmm. um i'm like contrary to many people's belief i'm a big believer in iron man 3 because i love the fact mm-hmm. that he didn't have a suit like he had to be like mm-hmm. the genius he he was and not just like mm-hmm. have all the money um mm-hmm. i love that um like he fucking makes a bomb with a microwave and people are complaining <laughs> anyway. But yeah, so like that, I, it, it really just sets it up. And I think um, it's true. Like you have to really think about that stuff when you're, when you're creating and when you're writing stuff mm-hmm. and, you know, which kind of brings me to like you, obviously you've written games and, and, and game design and stuff like that. But when did mm-hmm. that all start for you? When did you get, like, when did you first touch a TTRPG? The first one such a TTRPG was also uh, when COVID started. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of a lot of uh, life got turned upside down. Then I was a tale as old as COVID. Yeah, exactly. Pretty <laughs> much. Um, well, no. Okay, so before that, oh, okay, yeah. So it was 2019. My friend Adam Vass, who is also World Championship Gaming Co. Um, hmm. That's what they put games out through. Uh, needed some people to take like a vi- they for the uh, Kickstarter video. I think it was they need they wanted like creepy 
video and adam is a big uh diy zinster kind of person so it was just like just ask friends to like take a video on your iphone is fine like sort of off center like your face not shown and there was like a script to read mm-hmm. uh and then adam was gonna like splice it all together for like weird stuff of like and whatever and uh for his game cobwebs and so i did that and then i was look i was like you know i really wanted to try and write for a game i've been running games at home and i was like this is so much fun i know if you could do i was like i'd like to do that and so i was just talking about that on twitter and adam um just approached me about writing for cobwebs and so i wrote a quick start for that and that was a lot of fun and then i also did um i made a planet for adam's game ne- Necronautilus. That was like each planet was like an afterlife kind of thing. Yeah. And so the plan that I made was Ritual, which was like a pl- afterlife for magic users across all realities is the idea. Uh, it was a lot of fun doing that. And that was kind of like what, like those two things like really got me started. That's how I met um, Banana, who I ended up collaborating on for Deimos. And that's what, that's what got me into all of it was um, Cobwebs, if you can... I don't know if Adam still has any physical copies, but if you go to World Championship Game Co. and grab a copy, it's that's the first time my name's in something. Yeah. Um, you can also experience the highs and lows of me trying to figure out what name I want to use for games. <laughs> uh, me changing my Twitter handle because I think there's like, depending on how far back you go, like it's my old handle that was like uh, my last name, which I don't use in public anymore because people. Um, would find my day job stuff, which I didn't think about at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just very easy to Google like Austin last name therapist. Like I'm, yeah, my SEO is really good, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also my SEO is very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so like, when did you first play a TGRPG? Then was that, did that first, at the beginning of COVID two or no? <laughs> that one is older. The first okay. one I played was. Probably 2016 or 15, I okay. would say. Um, it wasn't D&D. I don't know what it was, <laughs> if I'm being fully honest. I think it was Starfinder, technically. Oh, okay. Um, I was very, very new, so my friend was very helpful and like, uh, kind of like leading me through and asking what I wanted and just sort of building it out for me. Yeah. Like, I remember we had the full D20 set of dice so it wasn't a d6 system um i remember the last of that happened but i don't remember what system it was i would have to i keep thinking about because people have been asking me like what's the first game you played i'm like you know i don't know <laughs> couldn't, couldn't <laughs> the, tell you the first one i remember playing was i the first one i knew what the system was, was fifth edition okay uh, about one and a half to two years after that yeah from judging right and that was the first like uh because the first one i played was it was a longer form campaign it pewed it out pretty quick but it was meant to be a campaign and the fifth edition game i played was a long campaign it was like year and a half two years we did take a break in there for a while because one of the players got um very sick mm. they were one of the like one in ten thousand people or whatever that got unlucky with a wisdom tooth removal and they got an infection oh. in their brain yeah shit yeah uh so we took a break for that obviously um 
and, you know, thankfully they made it through mm-hmm. and they made it through the recovery and all the physical therapy. And then they use their, they like couldn't be on bright lights for long to like learn how to use their eyes again. Jeez. Um, but we made through all that and then eventually finished the campaign. And so it was a lot of fun. And that was the first one that really showed me like how much you could create and do with games. Yeah. So I had a really good time with that. So was it like, like what led you to writing then? Was it like, were you already doing homebrew stuff or was like writing something that you had been doing kind of your whole life as just like a hobby? Hey y'all. It's your favorite host, and I wanted to just pop in here to say uh, if you're enjoying the show uh, and you'd like to give us some support, the best way to do that is through Patreon. Uh, I launched the Patreon with a couple of tiers. There's a $3 tier, which gives you access to the Discord, and you come hang out with uh, me and the other friends inside of that, uh, and just kind of talk the show, talk a bunch of different nerd stuff. And then there is a, another tier, an $8 tier, uh, where you can get early access to episodes ad-free. Um, you will also get free access to all uh, micro-RPGs that I create in the future. Yeah, so again, uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. Um, if you'd like to give additional support, that's one way to do it. Another great way to do it is just you know go on to whatever platform you're listening to and rate the podcast, subscribe. Uh, follow, leave a review if you can. Um, those things really help gain visibility for the show, and it is always greatly appreciated. Link is in the description. Thank you so much, and back to the episode. Yeah, so I've been writing. I used to. I've been writing. Uh, my big thing for Link's most poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm writing poetry since the seventh grade. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, I wrote. I started writing short stories in ninth grade. My first short story was a. <laughs> it was a story about. Um, I was really into Aragon, so it was like. Instead of dragon riders, they became like half human, half dragon. Nice people. Uh, was like what happened when they reached there. Um, I think I called it. Oh god, what it was called the, awakening is what this like group of like protectors would do. And then they, be, they got like, and they, they like got this gift from like, there's like some ancient dragon in the center of the earth. They had to go visit. And, and so that's, so I've been writing since middle school, high school. Yeah. And from there I started, I got into, when I went to college, I originally was thinking about either writing psychology or language studies. And I just landed in psychology with a minor in language studies. Yeah. I started writing zines. I did poetry zines for like four, four or five years. Um, and I kind of stumbled back into prose and games because when I was at, um, when I was at a zine fest, cause it used to, I go, go to them and I would help run them, but I was just a visitor at one. And someone zine was just like cool deals for characters who die in a TTRPG. Um, and it was just like a booklet and there was like 10 and like when the 10 are gone, then like they can't do this in your game anymore, but it was just like random stuff. They could like make a deal with some devil that would like bring them back to life if Mm -hmm. they took whatever this deal was. And that just reminded me about like pro stuff. And so I, I like tooled around with like trying to write a comic for a while, still doing that. I tooled around with like writing a book and that's still like in a folder somewhere like half done 
And I don't know, I just had this awakening moment when I saw the Jiangxi Kickstarter. It was some ran- it was like an ad on my Facebook. And that's what got me to join Twitter to like follow like Banana and Sin, who I now like know. And that's what got me to think about writing games is like kind of this middle ground between like shorter writing, which I was doing for poetry, and like longer prose writing. Cause it's it's this weird like hybrid. Like his game writing isn't exactly prose writing. Yeah. But it is like narrative work to tell a story. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a it's an odd blend of like some lore stuff, some world building stuff, and then some technical instructions. Um Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a really weird space, but I think it's I enjoy it because I get to like all these different because like, you know, like comic writing is very it's like creative and technical, because like when you're writing it, when you're just a script writer, like you have to like you're writing a script for someone to draw off of. You're not just writing a story. Yeah. Um, which is much different when I tried writing a book and like, I've just tried writing all these things, but like, I don't know, for whatever it is, like game writing really like has stuck with me and I still want to do those other things, but yeah, I'm enjoying my time in working in games and I, I don't see myself stopping, but I do have those other things I want to do when I feel like more stable with writing. No, yeah, I agree. I think it was like when I joined, because I didn't join Twitter or even the TTRPG space until last year in July, and uh, was just very ignorant about so many things, right? Like I was like, yeah, D&D's a game. Um, I've heard of Vampire the Masquerade, uh, and I knew Pathfinder existed. Uh, but I really didn't like look outside of that or know anybody mm-hmm. or anything like that. And so, yeah, going on Twitter and meeting like, Oh yeah, I do freelance writing for so and so, and and you know, and and like seeing like Quinn Murphy and Nick Butler and mm-hmm. and so on. Like, I was like, oh, oh, this <laughs> is something I could do. Like, yeah. because for the same thing, like I've loved writing all my life. I love fantasy stuff. I love mm-hmm. playing games. And mm-hmm. now, like the realization that they could be married together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I was like, this is this is great. And it's like I don't have to commit to eight hundred pages of of a book I mean, right. like you can just commit to three thousand words or ten thousand words right it's it's a very um i don't know, i feel like games are in a unique position to really help change how look at the idea of entertainment and media and narrative yeah uh and sometimes i don't know if people in games realize all of that like games are like so people talk about comics sometimes. Like comics are a very interesting way to tell a story because it's like you see a sequential story happening. Mm-hmm. Uh and unlike prose books, like prose books you can control time because you can like go back to like when the story started. Um in both those things is books like you can control time and see when the story started. And then you have like media you watch. And so there's all these like like games feel like on the precipice of like it's like media you watch but you get to create it in a way you can't do for like a book or a comic or a tv show or a movie and it it just is i i feel like there's something there that could be like you remember when not or uh there's not maybe not remember like no when uh 
older comics, they would be like, you know, they would do like fan write in and be like, hey, does Robin Liver die? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like games are in some kind of space like that of like, I could make a game and then someone can use it to like make entertainment of like so much buy in from the community of like, hey, what what like adventure should we do today with the group? Yeah. Uh sound off in or whatever. You know, like it, I feel like there's there's so much potential there to like really show the uniting force of like a cause like I think that's sometimes what's missing is like especially in a world post COVID where like, you know, some people are like still there's like not as many ways to like feel like you're in a community and you can't like go out, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like that's something that could be really fun and there's so much you can do in the world of imagination to like get a story across when you're writing a game or making a game that you can't do in like other scenarios and getting to be a part of that feels really special like when i make demos so i don't like horror stuff <laughs> i'm such a baby of like watching horror reading horror like i'm a i couldn't play the game control which is like <laughs> yeah. barely scary really yeah, yeah maybe maybe vaguely horror yeah yeah uh <laughs> i like couldn't i was like i had to play that game daytime blinds open and still ended up like chickening out mm-hmm. maybe halfway i don't even know how far i made it <laughs> like yeah. maybe halfway through <laughs> the game but when i was making demos i don't know it was really fun and then playing it was really fun because it's like i'm in full control yeah. Like I, you're in control of like what's going and being able to do that, I think is very exciting. And I think coming from my day job world as a therapist, I think there's so much power in that because like you can take people through so many scenarios that might seem impossible and terrifying and scary, but it's like, you're in control. Like you literally it's in your brain and whatever you want to happen can happen. <laughs> if you want to go through this door and there's no traps, just tell me and there's no traps. Like you go through the door and it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think a great example of that, because I know we both watched it, um, was Kill Switch this past week mm-hmm. uh, um, with Lexi. And, and Lexi had described something and Brandy was like, nope. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then and then Lexi was like, okay, yeah, uh, I'm switched. Right. So we talk about like safety tools and stuff like that. But it was mm-hmm. a perfect example of like a situation that everybody's in control of together. Um, and when something happens that we weren't expecting, somebody can say, I don't like this. And we move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something you can't get with like, um, like I think of Stranger Things because it just came out. Mm-hmm. Stranger Things season four or volume four, whatever they call it. Yeah. Uh, and I won't give away, but at the start of the episode, there's a content warning, which is cool. Mm-hmm. I, haven't, I haven't seen that for any show ever. Yeah. That's on TV. There's a content warning that's like, hey, if you're still feeling really sorrowful about um, what happened in Texas recently, then you should probably not watch this episode. Yeah. Um, and is isn't, and it's, I think one, it's a good example of like, it doesn't tell you exactly what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it started and I was thinking one thing and then something else totally happened, but I could see why it was like, oh yeah, that does feel important to like warn people about. Um, yeah. but two, it's just like, if you are like a diehard Stranger Things fan, um, you're in love with it. You like couldn't wait, and then you see that, and you're like, "Well, I'm not ready for that." 
it's like one, it's good they won you, but two, it's like like I'm like you're not in full control. It's like well now, I just have to wait until maybe never, maybe I'm never able to like you know, because mm-hmm. what they show is pretty. I can tell it'll be crucial to the season because it's come up like two or three times already. Yeah, and I've only seen two episodes, and so it's like it, it's hard because like you can give the warning, but now it's like, also we're going to keep showing it repeatedly. Well, it's like, well, okay, well maybe I can handle it once, but now you're, it's like, uh, it's, you just keep showing it. And it's like, but yeah, for games, you could just like not have that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's, it's good that they did it in advance. Cause like, I remember when the, what was it? Call of duty, modern warfare two came out. Mm Mm-hmm. I think when the game originally came out, it was just like, you, have you played that game? I have not. Okay. I'm not a big Call of Duty fan. So yeah, go, go I'm not. It. I'm not either. Uh, I just I enjoyed the campaigns and I would never play online with people because I. <laughs> um, but the campaigns were fun, but they they had this level where you literally you're like an undercover agent working with these Russians and, the, and they go into a Russian airport and you just literally are murdering civilians like. Mm. And you can choose not to shoot your gun, um, but it's still like you can't get out of that level unless. So when the game came out, I think they just came out with it, and then people were like, "Whoa!" Like I didn't sign up for this, right? Um, and then and then they put in a warning like, "You can click this option, and we will skip this part of the game mm. just automatically." Um, but yeah, I think it's like it's better to be proactive when it comes to that stuff than reactive. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, so it's it's just one of those things. But I think, you know, you talked about like the community part of it. And mm. I think Transplaner does a great job of that in that mm. there's so much stuff that's like, if you, you know, donate to this goal or whatever, you can affect this thing or you can give in inspiration. Mm-hmm. And those things ultimately affect how the game's played. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas a player now has a chance to re-roll and get out of something that they wouldn't have the opportunity to get out of before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like a great example of this it, in true improvisation was when uh, Connie, C, and Hamna played Halo and Horns. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just like people donating a ton of money to just keep bringing in more hot X's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that, I mean, that was gold. Um, but yeah, I mean, it changed, you know, obviously changed the narrative constantly because mm-hmm. people kept doing it. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I think, I think yeah, it's a good example. Um, I I really love uh especially charity games in the yeah. TTRPG scene because it's so often like a goal like one of the uh intensives is like, you know, give someone advantage or I was in one where it's like you get one auto crit. Um mm-hmm. and it's just it's just like so I don't know, I enjoy the chaos. Yeah. It. Yeah, for sure. When like when did becoming a performer uh did that ever like initially appeal to you or is this kind of something that happened? It appealed to me because from the outside looking in, most of what gets put in front of your face when you're like aren't in the game space, you're not really like you play at home or whatever, but you don't really like watch. Like the only ones I knew about were like all white or mostly white casts. Yeah. The only one I'd seen that wasn't was uh Darren Wall did a show relics and rarities mm. on and then goes on geek and sundry i watched it as it came up to youtube yeah i just forgot her name but that bronze girl 
Uh, J- Jasmine? Yes, she was on that show. And that was yeah. like one of the only times I could point to someone. Uh, I wasn't really a critical watcher, but I knew all the main cast was white. Uh, yeah. I've found out, you know, they've had a lot of guest yeah. stars and stuff um, since before I started like checking into some other stuff. Um, and I knew of Dimension 20. But again, most of the time I saw clips, it was like Brennan, who's white, or <laughs> yeah. like I didn't, I didn't know Lou existed, and that Lou had been around since the start. Because again, like what the algorithm puts in front of you, like all the clips of the white people, yeah. And so I was like, you know, it was appealing because I'm like, I don't see a lot of non-white people um in this space, and I, I now I know there are a lot, but again, like I think it's the thing, and I think sometimes like the game community forgets where like when there's some critique of like, you know, you shouldn't really be having all white casts. Mm-hmm. I think it's completely fair and valid to see that to people in the space. Cause they know that's not who only is here. Yeah. But I, I had a, I remember I, I was at Chicago, uh, C2E2, Chicago Comic Con, uh, February, 2020, right before, like we knew how bad COVID actually was. It was the last big thing I did. Yeah. Still can't believe I was there. I, was, I remember <laughs> watching the news and them talking about how high the numbers were getting in Chicago. And I was like, wait, am I okay? <laughs> yeah. Wait, is this right? Should I be here? <laughs> it was like, like it was like, you know, they're like, wash your hands and yeah. wear a mask and you'll be fine. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, I can wash my hands. Like, that's easy. You wait, you guys aren't washing your hands. Come on. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, I was like, you know, it's not a big deal. Just, I already take hand sanitizer because conventions are disgusting. Yeah. Uh, and I remember a friend asked me, he's like, Hey, you know, you know, people always talk about diversity, but like, I don't really know of any that aren't just like white people run by white people. Um, and that was, he was at C2E2 to like critical role. He went to the live show. He went to the Q and a, he went to, he was like, that was his whole jam. Yeah. And so that's what really made me want to like get into performing. was like, I think I could do it. And also I don't see a lot of people that look like me. And so it's been a pleasant surprise that there are, but it's still like, I still wonder, I'm like, how much is getting outside of the TTRPG sphere? How much yeah. is getting outside of TTRPG on Twitter? Because like, you go on Facebook and it's a totally different sphere. We're totally different people that don't always overlap. Like some do. Like I know, um, like Banana has a public Facebook like business page. Yeah. Uh do you have people like Danny who have blown up on TikTok and stuff? Um, yeah. So I know it's like expanding in other spaces too, but I still just sometimes wonder like, wh- how do we break that cycle in places like Twitch? That still is like, you're most likely going to be handed a white streamer or all white cast for a thing if you don't know. If you just like get on Twitch and you're like, I, I don't want to watch Critical Role because it's been going on for 800 years and I don't know how to catch up, but I want to like get into watching game. You know, you just like go to. I don't even I don't think there's a category for is there a category for TTRPG streaming specifically? I don't I don't know. I just honestly watch things that I'm subscribed to because I I found them on Twitter. So Right, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, I know there's some people who are just on Twitch. Like yeah, my, yeah. And so that's and I'm like, how do we get people in front of them because like i was someone who was like i was online but everything putting in front of me was white and like i'm not white that wasn't like content i was looking for but that's all that gets like handed to you yeah 
Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, it, it, it's, it's very, very difficult and it still is so surprising to me when it still happens. Uh, mm-hmm. like you were saying, like, it's just, it just seems so insane. And I think it's, it's definitely like, obviously I'm not white, but like, I think even I'm so aware now of just who I am and, and what I represent. And so it's like, mm-hmm. when I'm looking at, like, if somebody invites me into a thing and I'm like, I don't want to be the, the sixth dude on your show right yeah uh you know um especially if it's all like yeah. i'm already a cis head dude like i don't want to like I'm, i don't need to add to that mix and i appreciate it but and i don't also want to be the only black person on your show and yeah. you know and so anytime that i'm doing a cast for like a one shot it's always like okay how do i get a good blend of folks because i want it to be representative i want it to mm-hmm. be diverse and inclusive um mm-hmm. and it's still it's just so surprising to me when i see it and i'm like okay, like you guys, you know, we're talking about this, everybody's aware mm-hmm. of it, but we're still doing the same things. You're still only mm-hmm. interviewing white people. You're still, you know what I mean? Only inviting right. these folks, right. regardless no, of what you say your mission is. <laughs> right. There's like no reason, there's no reason for it to happen. And especially like for bigger high profile stuff, like even medium stuff. I'm like, okay, so you're in the, if you're in the tier of like, this isn't just fun or a charity thing like no this is like a form of entertainment Mm -hmm. like there's no reason for it to look like uh wonder bread aisle like it just (laughs) doesn't it doesn't make any sense like there and it isn't because it's not like there's a lack of people who not just want but like have the ability i understand that you know if you're a medium tier to like large production kind of thing and like i get that it is like uh the idea of like there's people probably trying out for your thing. I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, that still doesn't mean it should look like that. Yeah. There's yeah. not a, there's not like a lack of people. Um, and even still, like it gets to the point of like, you know, there's not like a lack of new people. Like it doesn't need to be the same people all the time. Right. Yeah. Like it, sometimes it gets to the point. I'm like, okay, does it, do you only have like, five black people on your phone or <laughs> yes, there are more, there are more, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and like one thing I've talked about a lot too, and I'll just kind of cover real quickly is like, I think that too, it's like, there's a lot of white shows that are just like open casting for person of color. And it's like, mm-hmm. don't do like, just fucking go meet people. Mm-hmm. Like, unless you are already a diverse space, like I think open casting inside of Utopia, like that works, right? Like, cause mm-hmm. it's like, okay, we're all POCs. We're all trying to work together to build each other up. That makes sense. But mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, when it's just like, you are already a predominantly white show mm-hmm. and then you open cast for diversity. So many people are going to be like, I'm not going to do this because I don't want to be your token. And mm-hmm. you've, there's nothing here that provides me any other information that's going to show me I'm not going to be that. And so I'm not going to put myself in that situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I just think people need to really think about that. Uh, what also happens just make- like so much too in spaces that aren't going to like compensate you for your time in some way. It doesn't be money. Right. It could be like, I've had people give me like uh, download codes to games or whatever. Yeah. Um, and like, not that it, I feel like, especially if it's going to be something like that, it needs to be considered of like, if you're asking this person to come into your mostly white channel on your mostly white table 
in your mostly white space, like I don't care if no one else is getting paid, they're getting paid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> those bit, those are their bits now. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, it, it that definitely has to be a consideration. Um, yeah. And I just think not enough people are doing it. But um, I mean, on a more positive note, um, mm. what is it like? What has it been like for you playing with Transplaner? Because Transplaner is one of my favorite shows. Uh, mm. The cast is absolutely incredible. Um, Connie is like one of my favorite GMs, if not my favorite GM. So yeah. mm. it's been a lot of fun. It's so I remember when Transplaner first started. Mm-hmm. and thinking and this is before i had like figured out my own gender stuff and come out and i was like man that'd be like really fun to be on that's yeah. it seems so cool um and i remember i was on a few one shots of transplanted and i was in an interview connie interviewed me and banana um <laughs> i think in 2020 uh when some like uh it was about like if white people could play like non-white characters because um at the time matt mercer had been cast in a thing and he's gonna be like an asian he's gonna be an asian character Mm. i know eventually matt got on twitter and he's like hey he hasn't used twitter on the weekends which i know like i know to be true um he's like hey i'll use twitter on the weekends i didn't know because i you know he agreed to do it because it was smaller smaller table smaller audience he was helping out a friend so mm-hmm. he said, I'll play whatever you want to like help you get some views. Yeah. Um, he was like, once I found out, I let them know like I wouldn't be comfortable doing that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, it was, it's been a lot of fun being on Transplaner. To get back to your question, <laughs> uh, it is when I started doing it it was like the highest production level I've been on for a show. Um, and it's definitely been yeah. some of the most fun I've had RPing. Cause it's really like a lot of the people in Transplaner have some sort of like theater kid life. Uh, like, I know Erica went to like clown school, mm-hmm. yeah. um, like sees a dramaturgist. Uh, yeah. Dare, who has, who I'm in the most, who I'm in the arc that's coming out now with. It's, it's like, a, it's sound like it's like everyone is like really on it for performing. Uh, Connie has a lot of really cool stuff. I love combat. I love to fight. I love like one of the reasons I love D&D so much because I love yeah. fighting and rules light games don't give me that. Uh, like it's cool to just like describe and roll a d6 yeah. but like sometimes i gotta be like no so i use my bonus action do this and you're like oh shit and like yeah so then use my act like sometimes it just feels cool to be like i figured out the puzzle that is my character sheet and if i do this i'm yeah. gonna explode and it's gonna be great so i love connie's fights um like i said just the rp moments like it feels like the kind of rp i get when i do my home game because i have some home games that are just like this is incredible and if it was like filmed, this would be an amazing scene. Yeah. But also, if it was filmed, it wouldn't work like this because it just is different. Uh, and the way there's been a balance struck with like the transplanters for entertainment. It is a show to entertain people, to get fans, support, etc. Yeah. Um, 
but in the same way, again, it's like it's tells it's tell a story and it's to have fun. It's it somehow like has struck a balance with all of that stuff. Um, and I've been on other shows that I are like near and dear to me that I love. Um, but the Transplaner is like the first one with like such a high level for it and such a community around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that I've been on because I've been on other shows since Transplaner that are either still being worked on or not out yet um, that I think will be the same, but they're like newer things that aren't out yet. So like, there's not, there's not a community on it yet. Cause it doesn't exist yet. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's always amazing to see. And it's always so cool to just be like, just to see the amount of positivity and love um, in the discord and in mm-hmm. the streams and stuff like it. it's just incredible. Um, what they've done as a group, what you all have done as a group. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I absolutely love to see it. Um, I am curious if, if you're willing to answer this question, like when mm-hmm. it came to your gender identity, cause you said it happened, like searching through that kind of happened around the same time as finding Transplaner. Um, mm-hmm. Do you feel like it TTRPGs is something that helped you kind of go through that process or even oh, think about it in the first place? Yeah. 100%. So the longest running home game that I play in, our party name is the Ravens. Okay. Uh, we were a group of strangers. Well, okay. I knew one of the players. Um, me and her have been friends for a long time. And I've been wanting to play. We played a few D&D sessions together at a different table. And she wasn't like, she clearly wasn't feeling it. Mm-hmm. Um, she wasn't feeling it. It was like some of the players were just like, they're just dudes and they, yeah. it was just like it was like a bunch of white guys me our trans dm and then uh this other player who is uh she's half mexican mm-hmm. and so it was just like this is kind of a lot there yeah. are a lot of white people <laughs> like everyone <laughs> else is just white and like there's a lot of white there's a lot of white going on um and so I convinced her, like, it was our local game store was having, like, his DM come in, like, run a one-month-long one-shot. That was, like, it's, like, going through this dungeon that he had made, uh, like, it's called the Hero's Gambit. And so I was like, hey, come sign up with me. I'll pay if you want me to. I just want to play D&D with you. So we sign up. Another person signs up. We go. It's so immersive. This DM had like built the dungeon you were going through. Mm. Like, so it took up like the whole table. He it built it with like, st- like also if you get Michaels, it was like styrofoam and like craft paint. And I was like, are you fucking kidding? There's like yeah. rocks that were part of the puzzle that you had to like move. To, and it was, it was crazy. Uh, and so we get done and we look at him. We're like, Hey, what if we kept playing? <laughs> yeah. And so convinced, so every other month he would run our campaign. And then on the off months, he'd run that Heroes Gambit because he's like worked for this store. So he's like, I have to do that still. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in that game, I play Adil, who was my first character I played in a teacher RPG that was not a guy. Okay. Uh, it was the first person I played that was she, her pronouns, uh, and everything. And it was just like, and then, like, Adil, uh, it's not like, she's, like, engaged in games, she's a lesbian, and, like, I don't know, like, it was a lot of stuff of, like, like, you always wish you could be your character, you know? Yeah. Because they're 
a badass right, like yeah. fantasy superhero. Yeah. You're like, man, it'd be cool if I could summon a sword and fly. Uh, clean up a lot of shit around here, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, but it was definitely like different uh, with Adil. Um, and it was, it wasn't, I won't say it was the first time I thought about it, but it was like having to get into that space every week for like, you know, every other month. And then when, once again, when COVID hit, and then we just switched to every week, we just played online because like the game store wasn't open. Yeah. Uh, and just having so much extra time to think and like watch stuff. Like I watch, I, uh, I was already a Maxim Universe fan. I started watching She-Ra because I was like, I have all this time. And just like, there was so much stuff put in front of me to make me think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely all started with that, with playing Adil in that in the Ravens. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think it's, yeah. I think it's really cool. I love that um, that games are doing that for folks and and allowing that space and i think even too like because i've talked about this a lot like i'm very open about like uh when it comes to masculinity like what it kind Mm -hmm. of means to me and like i talk about like Mm -hmm. crying because of kids movies all time and like Mm -hmm. so i'm i you know i think that there's things like that like it's important to really think about and regardless of who you are you know regardless Mm -hmm. of whether or not like you're straight and cis and all that stuff i think it's good Mm -hmm. to understand because Mm -hmm. you know we're more than just what a stereotype is or what a label is or whatever um but yeah it's i always just love i just love people being happy in their skin mm-hmm. that just makes you feel good you know mm-hmm. i uh i was watching your conversation with cj and somebody else about the newest um young justice season oh, wolf. and i'm on season three still so i was like oh, i should go back and start mm-hmm. watching this and i started watching it and um i got to the part where violet uh, somebody walks out and they're like, "Oh yeah, now we have another girl in the group." And Violet's mm-hmm. like, "Actually, mm-hmm. I don't really know if I'm a girl or a boy." And I just kind of, I'm just me. And everybody's mm-hmm. just like, "Cool, we love you." Mm-hmm. And it was just mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, like we should do this more often." In like, yeah, cartoons. yeah, Young Justice is. If you are listening to this and you're not watching Justice, I beg you to go watch Young Justice. Yeah, and then talk about how much you love Young Justice because that show is always it's one of the shows they like to flirt with canceling mm-hmm. um yeah so please watching justice talk about how great injustice is tag greg wiseman on twitter tell him how much you love justice uh especially recently like it's been getting a lot of hate because they are season four just like they just start running with it yeah uh and he's been getting a lot of hate of like you know like stop all this wokeness and he's been very and on Twitter, he's like, I mean, I could just get rid of all the cis white guys because we've had a lot of that, and it's kind of boring anyway. He's like, oh, he's like, he's like, I could just never show Superman ever again. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, so it's this season has been. Some people think it starts rough. I think it starts really. I think it uh, has been really cool. Um, I won't say more since you're in season three. Uh, I will ask, what has been your favorite season of Justice so far? God, um, that's t- I. I want to say probably season two. Okay. I think season two because like after like season one starts great. And they mm-hmm. just go, they go through so much, right? Like that's the theme mm-hmm. of like Young Justice is like these kids going through a, 
awful shit. Um, <laughs> but like season two is like the culmination of all the things they went through in season one and like trying to discover mm-hmm. themselves as like their own hero, as mm-hmm. you know, young adults figuring mm-hmm. shit out. Um, and I think this like the themes that they went through were really good. Um, season three is great too, but I think season two is probably my favorite so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, for those reasons, because I think it just, mm. yeah, it's just so good. I mean, it, it's it's a really brutal show, but it's amazing. <laughs> it's I think I it's probably to... the best. It's one of the best pieces of DC media available. It's so good. It's so good. And I can't believe that like they have not just approved it for whatever. Like just it's yeah. approved until you're done telling the story, Greg. Because yeah. it's so good. And DC, I'm telling you, DC, if you ever hear this. <laughs> Stick to your animation, baby, because it is always on point. Yes. DC animation is like yeah. Marvel Peak. cannot, for the life of them, figure out how to make a fucking cartoon. Yeah. They have no idea what to do with cartoons. They don't know what to do. They don't they have, they're like, we don't what do we do with it? They're like, is it it's for kids? Oh, kids don't like it. It's for teen. Oh, teens don't want okay. It's uh it's for it's for preschooler. Like they have no idea what to <laughs> yeah, do. Yeah, for sure. But DC is like always. They're like, oh, you want like preschool animation? Here's DC Superhero Girls. It's and it's incredible. You want like adult? Here's uh like the Injustice movies. Essentially, you want you want here's Young Justice. Like it's always so good. It does such a good job of like blending source material with new stuff, Mm -hmm. with old stuff, with like like remixing it like it's so good at like like taking in like this person exists in the dc canon uh, and they haven't been seen since 1970 what if we use them for this like it's so good yeah at that. yeah um i i wish they would give up ever doing <laughs> live anything action. live action <laughs> and just like put all of the money into the animation because it is like Young Justice is great, Superhero Girls is great, the Harley Quinn show is great. Like the Harley Quinn show is like it's another show that doesn't need to be as good as it is. Yeah, it's adult animation piece. It's not just vulgar and gross. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a good, such a good job of just like taking in little parts of like, like yeah, Apocalypse exists because it's the DC canon, and it's not really about that. But like it, you, they like you look at job of like bringing in like little bits and pieces of like. DC stuff into like this show that's focused on Harley Quinn. Yeah, absolutely. So good. Definitely go watch it, but also go consume every piece of media that Austin has. So if you would like to, <laughs> um, you know, where can people find you and, and all the stuff that you're working on? Uh, the best place to find me is over on Twitter at Sailor Scott Austin. Um, that's Sailor SCT Austin because the full scout is too long. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's always the best place to find like what I'm up to or what I'm watching or what I'm making a meme about. Um, that's why I'd say the catch up with me. Um, there's a stuff I'm on now. My podcast comes out every other Wednesday, secret histories and mysteries. Um, so I don't know when you're listening to this, but find it wherever you get podcasts. And once you get in sync with a new episode every other week from then on out, unless we don't have one, you don't, <laughs> if you're gonna start demanding stuff i'm gonna make you pay for it yeah yeah respect Uh, people's boundaries please (laughs) and then as mentioned earlier i'm on transplanar that's every other saturday um 
And then I'm on another D&D stream on Mondays, but all of it's on Twitter. If you find me there, you'll see what I'm working on. Uh, what I'm right. I'm not, uh, the only thing I'm working on right now that I think I'm allowed to talk about. I have two. I'm on a game called disaster hamsters two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a, I'm a setting writer for that. And then I am on, I am one of the designers for kids and capes. Nice. Which is on the kids on kids on bike system. Yeah. Um, so. That's what I'm working on now that I know I can talk about just because for kids on kids in capes, I was, we did a stream for the first <laughs> like six months or first uh, six weeks of production of us designing. And then disaster hamsters too. I was like on the Kickstarter page was my face. So yeah. yeah. Those two, <laughs> I know I can talk about everything else. I don't know. Like, I'm glad I don't have any NDAs signed from anybody, but it's weird when, like, you don't have an NDA, but also they haven't talked about that you're on it. So I'm like, am I allowed to talk about <laughs> where? Yeah. <laughs> where's the line? Yeah, for sure. I totally get it. Well, yeah, I mean, this has been incredible. I honestly, I have so many, like, multimedia stuff that i want to talk to you about uh, but we just don't have the time to do it right now so we'll just have to we'll just have to stay in touch but um this has been incredible and and i'm so glad to finally got to sit down and talk with you and and meet you and um yeah i i'm just looking forward to all the stuff so thank you yeah thanks for having me this has been great can't believe it's already been uh been time the little like time clicker is clicking up there i'm like oh really are you sure (laughs) yeah 100 well thanks again yeah Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you would like to reach out to us, check out the many options on the Anchor app or anchor.fm on your browser. You can also reach us at secretnerdpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to the show. And if you'd like, leave a review to help us grow this thing.